Hi, I'm Michael Miller, and this is Speaking of Meditation. Join me for interesting conversations with fascinating people who meditate, why they do it, and how it's changed their lives. Ideally, you know, we all get to the place where we stop seeing ourselves as victims of anything, including ourselves, including the whole of life, and just saying, and now what? And now how can I take whatever's going on here and and, turn it toward uh, that which is uplifting, that which is healing? Today, I'm speaking with Jeff Kober. Jeff was born in Montana and found his way to Los Angeles in his 20s, where he discovered acting. You may have seen him recently as what are usually very dark or twisted characters on The Walking Dead, Sons of Anarchy, Shameless, New Girl, and NCIS Los Angeles. Jeff also has undertaken a lifelong spiritual search that led him to Vedic meditation in 2003. He and I learned to meditate in this technique around the same time and became good friends. We spent many hours meditating together, traveling to India, and we undertook a three and a half month teacher training program together. Alongside his acting work, he is one of the most in-demand meditation teachers in LA. He's also a writer, photographer, an acting teacher, a husband, and a father. So speaking of meditation, here's Jeff. Hi, Michael. Hi, Jeff. So nice to see you. How are you? I'm good. You know, it's really good to see you. And I always feel like we will not speak for months upon months. And then when we do, this is one of those friendships for me that I just feel like we just slot right back in as though we had a chat last week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, you know, and in, in reality, if we're connected at that place below our individuality, then there is no space or time. So, I, I mean, it, it makes sense in spiritual terms. <laughs> uh, you're, you're not going into this easy. We're going right to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't need to mess around. Yeah, of course. Of course. Nor have we ever. Jeff, tell me about, I mean, congratulations on your Emmy. I was so excited for you and watched the video of you on the red carpet. This, you know, you have been so committed to your work as, as an actor and really been a yeoman for all these many years. You have put in the time and put in the work and yeah, I think everything you've done has that I've seen has always been of quality. What was it like then to get those accolades and that recognition in a in a different way? It was a lot of fun. It was, but it, what was fantastic was um, I I was getting a little bit anxious uh, the week before the awards, and I uh, I just stopped and just said, "Wait a minute." getting this award is not going to change me at all inside losing this award or not getting this award is not going to change me at all inside. So what the hell? And I just, I just went forward to have fun and I was having as much fun before I won the award on the red carpet as I was after I won the award on the red carpet and everywhere else, because 
because I got to show up and get dressed up in uh, Western wear, and uh, I was the only bolo tie in in the room. I can tell you that. <laughs> I would imagine that you were. And someone on the red carpet asked me the magic question, which was, "And who are you wearing?" And I got to say, "Country General Store Van Nuys." So. <laughs> Which that was almost as thrilling as the whole rest of the evening. It kind of was. It was kind of the high point of my evening. <laughs> and uh, what then has happened since? You know, just uh, um, they're bringing me back on to General Hospital, uh, you know, a, a couple times here and there. Um, I just finished a movie with uh, Jake Johnson, the guy I worked with on uh, New Girl. Um, he directed and wrote it and starred in it and, uh, you know, working here and there, auditioning here and there and, uh, just, you know, staying busy. That's, I, you know, you name all the things that I do. It's just, they're the things that I, I'm left to my own devices. I'm just, I, I don't, I don't do well. I don't like to just sit around. Mm. You know? And so I, I, I am kind of amazed when I look <clears throat> at your life and you know what you've done over over the decades, but but also what you're doing all the time in in the moment. Tell tell me about the photography you're doing now. I I do uh, tin type photography, wet plate collodion, which is uh, using a large format camera, a big wooden camera, and uh, it's wet plate collodion. It's a, a process that was invented in. Uh, 1841, I think, and so all of the uh, uh, all the pictures of the Civil War, these were all wet plate collodion. Um, it's a really silly way to make a, a picture, but you get to use these antique lenses that are just brilliantly sharp in certain places and brilliantly messed up in others, and you have to be engaged. You make a piece of film each time you shoot. And, uh, you know, you have to be engaged deeply. And this is, you know, the, the state that you get into when you're doing something that you love is the, is the thing that we're always looking for. So why wouldn't I take advantage of something that puts me in that state? And plus, I get some pictures along the way. Right. I mean, that's, that's really interesting, that engaging in something that is so non-digital and, and not of this time like the bolo tie, brings you great pleasure. You know, I've, <laughs> at a certain point, here, here's the deal as I understand it. We come into this life and we think we're supposed to know how to do it. And so then we look around and we see how everyone else is doing it. We try to do it the way they're doing it and pretend we know what we're doing while we're trying to learn. And mm -hmm. I was just disabused of the notion very early on that I could pretend. And uh, and I hid for the longest time. And then when I had to come back out and, and actually be present, um, the only thing I could do were the things that I could do. And bolo tie is one of them. It just, I, 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 I was nominated for an Emmy the year before. And I, you know, the, the show gave me a tuxedo to wear and, I was just, I felt like I was pretending, you know, and mm. uh, I didn't want to have that experience again. So 
Well, that's so interesting because wouldn't people say, well, acting is pretending? Well, actually, uh, you know, Sanford Meisner, the, the Meisner technique is is kind of what it, you know really grounds me. Said that this is a, v- a very famous acting teacher who came up with uh, the Meisner technique. Yeah, the Meisner technique, which is, and he said, and he was part of the whole. Uh, explosion of acting technique in the 30s and 40s. And uh, one of the schools that developed from the group theater. But he said that acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. So you pretend one thing, like I can pretend that I'm your brother or your father. I can, But I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to imagine that as a reality. And if I image it in my mind, my emotional life uh, doesn't know the difference. So then I will naturally speak to you in a way that is more along familial lines than the, the lines of friendship that we have, you know, and so, but, but the, the actual movement within acting, the actual flow from one being to another is as truthful as it can possibly be, mm. even though the circumstances mm. are imaginary. So, well, I want to go back to something you said before. Because that's that's very interesting, and what you said about hiding and when you couldn't mm. hide any anymore, and what do you mean by that? I was just kind of you know having my life and trying to figure it out, and living in a small town in Montana, and you know, <clears throat> and then when I was fifteen, I was involved in a a, a, a fatal accident where someone died and I didn't, and. Uh, you know, and I tried to die after that because I saw myself as a murderer um, and no one else did. Well, that's not true. <laughs> My small town saw me as that. But mm. I saw myself as a murderer and I just really thought that I no longer belonged here. And really, I thought that I had never belonged here. And finally, you know, the jig was up. Something had noticed. And so I was just I lived as if I were separated from the whole of life and as if I were separated from God. And it was, uh, you know, uh, it was like I made a deal with God. God stayed over there and I stayed over here and uh, punished myself. You know, and so I lived in a self-imposed hell. Uh, and that's really tautological. I, it, all hell is self-imposed, I, I believe. But I lived in hell for a number of years and uh, just because I didn't know how to die. And... I didn't want to be seen because I couldn't look at myself. And so I'm not going to let anyone else see me. So from that perspective, acting was really the beginning of me coming back to life or perhaps coming Mm. to life for the first time, because, you know, I, I, I went to an an act, my first acting class just because, because someone suggested they, they thought I would enjoy it. I had no intention of being an actor, but, I had these huge feelings inside, huge darkness that uh, I had to control with, you know, various substances and various behaviors. And I went there and suddenly I saw people being applauded for having big feelings, applauded for being as screwed up as I felt. And uh, it was like, oh my God, wait, this is you can do this, you can let this stuff out, you can live from this place, 
of of whatever it is that was true in there and you can actually begin to dig in and find out what's there because when you shut yourself down you don't know what it is you're shutting down because you've shut it down and you have to have some way of you know beginning to open back up and beginning to dig it out again um so acting really gave me the opportunity and uh, enough of a reason to dig in Mm, that's very interesting. So although it was therapeutic, it was it was something outside of you that was asking a therapeutic process to occur. It was th- therapeutic by uh, default, but the truth of it was in order for me to do this work that turned me on so much, I had to get a clear passage between uh, the outside and this deepest experience of, of myself. And in order to be able to live truthfully, I've, I've tried to act from surface. I can't do it. I, I, I'm bad. I, I look, Mm -hmm. I, I, I look like, uh, I don't even know what I look like, but it's awful. Uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) metaphor escapes me. Where did what's the timeline for escape from your hometown and and that background, which you know interestingly served as the jumping off point you know if that had not been your upbringing, maybe it wouldn't have been required for you to go through an experience and delve into the degree that you did feeling so. I'm putting this word in in your mouth, but alienated? Alien would be a more correct uh, way of saying it. I I felt like I, you know, like even before that accident, I had feelings of where are my real parents and why did they leave me here? Um, (laughs) I, I I, I just felt alien. I felt like I didn't belong and, uh, and didn't know how to, discover a sense of belonging and you know and i think i think we actually give ourselves these assignments before we come in like i i honest to god believe that we say you know i i want a big lesson this time and and you know our our friends and guides say really you know that's going to suck for a long time yeah 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 i know but i'm i'm ready to take a big one here i'm ready to take a hit for the team okay here you go and then suddenly we're dumped into these bodies and we go like oh my god i didn't mean this it's too late and and then you forget where you came from in order to have the you know the joy of remembering what you are and where you came from and going beyond because I had to do so much spiritual work to dig myself out of the darkness that by the time I began to see the light, it was clear that this is the only game in town. This, this, you know, enlightening oneself, enlightening one's life, uh, shining light on all the places of darkness, not getting rid of the darkness, but putting light on it bringing it out into the world and seeing that it's it's you know it's 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 the very stuff of life and you know it's my stuff of life and there's it's i wouldn't trade it for the world 
And what, where did that spiritual journey start? I went, you know, I was on the road for a while. I hitchhiked and joined a carnival and uh, lived uh, in very sketchy circumstances for quite a while. And then I, I tried to go back to school because I knew that things made sense there. And I began to try to meditate a little bit there. I remember the first time I... I, I got a book that said, okay, so sit in a darkened room, stare at a candle, then close your eyes and the candle flame will appear in your third eye area and then concentrate on it. And so I was trying that. And uh, How'd that work out for you? It was, <laughs> it was interesting in that I did see the candle, but it didn't really help me that much. And then mm -hmm. I remember uh, there was this guy, uh, Tony Catalfano, who was a... Uh, this jazz musician, a, a piano player who played more notes at once than anyone I've known before or since. And he knew TM. And I sat and meditated with him, and I didn't know what I was doing. And, and uh, you know, and he, when we were done, he said, oh, you're, you have so much something. And I said, uh, okay. I didn't know, but I didn't know. All I knew was it, I closed my eyes and it was hell. Then I had a I had an actual Kundalini awakening in college, and I remember just just my the top of my head exploded, but I didn't know what to do with it, and I didn't know what it meant. And uh, you know, fast forward, um, I tried to meditate for years, uh, and somewhere around like this was so I left. That accident happened in 69. I left uh, Montana off and on throughout the 70s. I moved to L.A. And then around 1985, I, uh, you know, I finally got a big job acting. And it didn't change anything inside of me. And, uh, and, I, couldn't, and I could no longer get a click from alcohol and pot and everything else I was taking. And, and so then I really started studying spiritual truths and, you know, tried to, I studied the I Ching, I studied uh, the Tao Te Ching, I, I learned a meditation technique from the Ananda Marga organization, these orange robes from India, um, that uh, this tantrika I knew uh, uh, introduced me to. And I was just, you know, I was just stumbling in the dark and, and not really accomplishing anything, but just putting one foot in front of the other and and trying to live a uh, a life where I could, you know, be present and not not torture myself. And uh, you know, I, one of the things that was really important for me was there's a guy Alexander Lowen, and he developed a, a process called bioenergetics. He was a student of uh, Wilhelm Reich, and his thing was all about approaching uh, things through the body. And so I learned a lot from him. Um, I learned a lot from uh, studying Moshe Feldenkrais's work, which is all about also uh, approaching things through the body. And I didn't realize there was a spiritual approach. I thought it was, I knew spirit was in there, but it was psychological or physical, you know, mental or physical. And spirit was just something that was like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> As you say, uh, how did that uh, candle flame work out for me? And so I approached things, and I studied, studied, studied 
psychological truths and psychological approaches and physical approaches and found some freedom. But I was, I, it was like I was one of those people who couldn't meditate. And I think probably because I didn't deserve that or something, but I just couldn't. And I was meditating an hour a day, like some mindfulness, Vipassana sort of uh, meditation. And uh, you know, it, it had been to India at least a few times. And, and finally, about, you know, 2003, uh, against my better judgment, I learned this practice of Vedic meditation. And uh, only <laughs> Against because, your better judgment, meaning? Well, I, my, my wife said, uh, she was my, my girlfriend at that time, and we had a friend, Renee Stahl, who said, she, Adele said, Renee says she went to this guy and he gave her this word and you close your eyes and you think this word and it makes you happy. And I said, let me know how that works out for you. And she said, no, 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 we have to go. And so I went to an intro talk at Will Dalton's place in West Hollywood. And, mm. you know, Will greeted us and uh, this, this, you know, this beautiful Australian man. Um, and, uh, uh, we went into the room and I looked around and I saw this picture of a guy in orange robes and I saw the people there and I just said, this is not for me. And we left before the guy even came out to talk. And Will said, <laughs> wait, are you? And I said, yeah, thanks. And we left. And Renee said, did you learn? I said, no, man. And she said, oh, you're such a loser. And so a month later, the guy came back to town. And so we actually went and uh, I listened to his talk and I was like, okay, fine, but I'm not going to sign up. And Renee said, here, call this number. So I called the number and it was the teacher. And I said. And and this was Tom Knowles. Tom who, Knowles. Who was also also my teacher just short shortly thereafter. So I, I he said, so how can I help you? I said, well, first of all, you know, I I I, I thought that you weren't supposed to have to pay for spiritual teachings and you know he said well you can't pay for the teaching but what you're paying is for my availability my time you know if i didn't charge for this i'd have to have a day job and i wouldn't be able to teach you okay that makes sense and then he said he said what other problems do you have i said well why should i trust you i don't even know you he says well don't trust me you don't know me but trust the way you felt when i was talking did it sound real? Did it resonate for you? I said, well, yeah. He says, so what time are you coming in tomorrow? <laughs> you know, so I, <clears throat> I set a time and Adele and I went and learned. And, and the first time I did the practice, I had the experience of dropping beyond my thoughts and my feelings, of settling into an experience of me that did not include that voice of despair and doom and, and, and hell. And that did not include the extreme discomfort of being in a body but, not, but thinking you don't belong here. I settled into that place of truth that underlies, I've come to find, you know, that underlies everything. And and it was like the first moment of freedom that I had had in, you know, uh, what, 20 years, something like that, maybe, maybe longer. And uh, 
you know, and it was like, it was like dying of, of thirst and having a sip of water. And they're like, oh, wait, I want more. And like, I know it was the same for you. I, you know, I learned this practice. It was a four day course. And then every time Tom came to town, I went and listened to the course again, because that was allowed. And because I would hear these amazing truths that supported the feeling I was getting in this meditation. And then I would walk out of the, 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 the apartment and Im immediately forget them because I'd been practicing despair for so long, mm. you know, and they just, there was no place for them to stick. Mm. So I'd go back and listen and then, you know, and make, take copious notes, you know, and, and be looked at like, what the hell is this guy writing? I never looked at those notes again, but it made me feel like I was, you know, taking them in in a different way. And, uh, you know, and then, and because I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a farm kid. I come from the Midwest. I started helping set up chairs and, you know, and then eventually I was invited to start helping with the puja ceremony that was done before the, you know, anyone learns. And I was, you know, uh, assisting with the teaching of, of these people. And, uh, you know, and, and it was like, again, I, honor the amount of darkness I was in because when I found that thing that helped me begin to move out of it, the darkness is what drove me forward until the higher self was able to begin to drag me forward. I think you're pushed by your despair until you can get hooked by your higher self and pulled forward into your, your, your highest experience. Oh, that's yeah. that's a gorgeous way to look at that. I re I really like that. And it was along this journey that you and I met, and then ended up doing an intensive program, going mm -hmm. going to Flagstaff, Arizona, and and spending about a month there, and spending hours and hours meditating together and listening to lectures and and doing doing kind of special special techniques. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was just, you know, the whole point of, of life, I think, is to, you know, we, we build these, as I said, we come in not knowing, and, and but having certain things intact, and then we figure out how to do it the way we know how to do it and how to fit into our tribe, whatever that tribe is. And, and we, in other words, we build a personality. And then we, you know, that personality then can carry us forward. But then if we're fortunate, uh, we, or if we've planned it <laughs> before we came in, we then are given the task of learning what we are that is other than that personality. And this is called a spiritual program and a spiritual awakening. And, and that's, I think it's the whole point of life. And this is what Jung talked about, you know, that you spend the first half of life uh, building a personality and, and then the second half of life finding out what you are that is other than that and dismantling what you thought life was about. You know, and, and this was the, the practice for me that allowed me to get free of the clutching of that, uh, of, of that, problem of me. Now, there were other things that happened before I learned this practice that also helped me to, to become free. Um, 
you know, failed marriages uh, 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 and uh, dramatically failed marriages um, and, <laughs> and experiences with, uh, actually experiences with the goddess in India before I ever knew about Vedic meditation and experiences mm. that uh, helped to tear down the fabric of the life that wasn't working. You know, and even if you, even if your life doesn't work, the the fear uh, from when you're associated solely with the ego, the fear is so great that, you know, you'll take you'll take a half full cup uh, over the uh, freedom to seek, a, a, you know, an ocean of of good, because that's where you know that's where the fear can be assuaged. Is that? is that place of uh, uh, letting go. Uh, but the, that place of just like, just give me anything, just give me something to hold on to, give me something to where I can be free of the fear for a moment, or at least give myself uh, permission to, you know, push the fear away. Um, so yeah, um, this was really the, the first opportunity I had to know myself, not just theoretically, but truly as something other than my thoughts and my feelings and that's that's the beginning of of that's the beginning of life as far as i'm concerned that's mm. i you know i think enlightenment is just it's it's our it's what we're it's it's it should be or it actually is the norm you know for for we humans we we are not you know i used to see myself as this broken human struggling mightily to connect with spirit inside or connect with spirit out there as the case may be which was before before i had any spiritual experiences but you know i and i can only imagine you feel this the same way yourself which is i know absolutely now that i am spirit having a human experience hmm. and that the point is to know myself more and more as spirit even as i'm having this Oh, so human experience where I frequently forget the truth of being, but always are able to come back. And the moments of forgetting become shorter and shorter, and the moments of remembering become more expansive. And, uh, you know, and I think that's kind of the point of the whole thing. So this practice that we get to do is so extraordinarily powerful in that it allows us to have that experience, that felt experience that is the beginning of true change, that is the beginning of being able to let go of all the old ideas of how this is supposed to work in order to discover moment by moment how it actually does work. You and I did our teacher training together in 2007, hmm. and you, alongside your career and your photography and your music and everything else have been such an active teacher. What has teaching been like for you as part of your own developmental process? There was a moment where I really saw how valuable it is to be a teacher because, I, I, you know, we practice the way we are in the world. And I practiced despair and depression for a long time. And 
it it just it's familiar and it's comfortable and comforting. And I remember we have a room here that is you know is our meditation room and the place where I teach uh, generally. And I was sitting in this very comfortable chair and just having a dark day and just depressed. And there were people coming over and I said, please, maybe they won't show up. Please don't show up because I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to have to pull myself out of this. And it was like, oh God, I just, I'm, I know I feel crappy and I knew I could probably pull myself out of it, but I don't want to. And knock, knock, knock at the door and said, oh God. And I stood up and went to the door and opened and said, hi, come on in. And I wasn't faking it, but I was choosing happiness. And, you know, meditation doesn't make you happy, but it gives you the capacity to choose it. And, hmm. and because just whereas where acting was important enough to get me to do the work to free myself emotionally, teaching was important and is important enough to me that I'm not going to let my moodiness stand in the way of someone's uh, need to learn a practice for themselves, you know, and you, you just can't teach this and, and be depressed. <laughs> number one, you won't get any students, <laughs> but number two, it's a bliss technique and Eeyore is not going to make a good teacher. Come on in. Right. <laughs> I guess we can try this. Your your journey and the the darkness that you came from and that you still can access in your acting work, you know, as as I referenced in in at the very beginning, you know, you tend to play dark people most most often what I have, have seen. I, I certainly have, but my character on General Hospital, um, they they sent me to prison, and they sent me to a prison as far away from Port Charles as they could get me, so they didn't have to see me anymore. But now they've moved me back to a closer prison, um, and I said, you know, my my character should probably find Jesus, and and the producer said that's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then I was gone for quite some time, and they brought me back. And guess what? <laughs> I oh found, yeah, <laughs> I found the Lord. And uh, so now, all of a sudden, that dark character is going to be transformed and uplifted, or he's just using it to help him get out of prison. Who knows? But mm. you know, here's here's the there's this fantastic story that Tom used to tell, and it's it's apparently from the Ramayana. I haven't read it there, but you know, the Ramayana, uh, number one, it's about Ram, who is, was the first fully human incarnation of Vishnu and uh, the maintenance, uh, the God of maintenance, the, the creator God as well. Um, and uh, Ram was this uh, incarnation of, of the divine that kept forgetting he was the divine. And then had to be reminded. And the only thing that brought him to earth was the evil of Ravana, who, of course, was the demon who stole uh, Ram's wife. And there was this, you know, this beautiful story of 
when Ravana was dying, pierced by a thousand arrows, uh, Ram's army was going to go, you know, finish him off. He said, don't let him die a, a dignified death. Look, he's a magnificent creature. Look at him. And, and Ram came to Ravana and said, clearly you have, you know, you're, you're cultured, you're, you have love in your heart. You, you know, beauty, you, you, you are powerful, almost beyond measure. You could have done so much good with your life. Why, why, why did you choose to be evil? And he said, because the only thing I wanted was to be close to you, close to God. And by doing good, it would have taken me a thousand lifetimes by being evil. I was able to do it in one. And, uh, that, story just resonated so much for me and it really speaks to the fact that you know in that vedic culture and in the hindu uh worldview good must be counterbalanced by evil that the one cannot exist without the other that this is the relative world and so opposite imply each other and mm -hmm. as high as we can become in this human state is as low as must be available to be uh, on this planet as well. Well, it took this darkness and it took the challenges that you went through to get you off the conveyor belt of rural Montana. You know, you might still be on a ranch doing a day-to-day -day thing with some vague ennui inside of being unfulfilled if something hadn't if there hadn't been a precipitating event and series of events and a dive that required you to emerge there was a requirement you had to as you said you wanted to not be in the body and you had to go that far in order to become embodied yeah yeah absolutely <clears throat> and again, and here's the, you, know, I, I, you say it in a way that is, is like, you know, uh, that there was an option. And I, I, don't, I don't think there was an option because I, I've taken it to the place of I am not victim of anything that's ever happened to me hmm. because I, I see it as having been chosen by spirit. And, you know, in the Vedic worldview, there's only one thing. So if it was chosen by spirit, it was chosen by me. And it was chosen by me solely for the purpose of learning how to transmute, you know, that darkness into the light. And transmutation is a really, you know, the, the alchemists that, that Jung studied so thoroughly uh, we're very much about finding that thing that when added to lead transmutes it into gold, you know, the, the material of the philosopher's stone. It's the whole point of being here is to offer ourselves that experience and to stop bemoaning the fact that we have a hard time. Yes. Bemoan it. And the bemoaning is part of the process too. But mm -hmm. ideally, you know, we all get to the place where we stop seeing ourselves as victims of anything, including ourselves, including the whole of life, and just saying, and now what? And now how can I take whatever's going on here and, and you know, turn it toward uh, that which is uplifting, that which is healing, not 
just for me, but that which is uplifting and healing for the whole, which by definition is uplifting and, whole, and healing for, for me, you know. And, and you and I and, 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 you know, Jillian, we have these, and everyone else, Robbie and, and all these people have this extraordinary gift that we get to offer people. I remember once when Tom said to me, we were sitting in a, you know, he was telling me that I needed to become a teacher. And I was like, come on, man, I, this is the last thing I want to do. I'm an actor. <laughs> you and, resisted that as much oh as my you God. resisted learning like, to meditate. Never want to do that. And we were sitting in a cafe in between teachings and he said, see that person there? And someone had just walked in the door and they looked like they were having a really hard day. He said, I can change that person's life in a heartbeat. You have this thing that you can offer to people. And you, if anyone learns this practice, their life is immediately changed. Even if they never do it again after that, you know, that first four day mm. session, their life has been transformed. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll look at somebody and go like, ah, yeah, you, you can't smile from where you are. I, I see it. You could make a smile happen, but it's not a real smile because it's not connected to that underlying state that, uh, that I've been given the gift of being able to experience you know, and be able to pass on and be able to pass on what an extraordinary, uh, gift and responsibility that that is, you know, so it, it, it being a teacher absolutely has caused me to, um, you know, move much more quickly toward being a, a, a solid member of society than I would have done on my own. You know, because I, 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 you don't play in the darkness without <laughs> finding the parts of it that work for you, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and so uh, those are not easily uh, given up unless there's a reason to give them up. Even just the, you know, even just mooning around with, uh, uh, you know, depression is, is something sweet about that, you know. Like if only, if only I hadn't whatever, or if only I had whatever. Mm. But of course, that's, that's all fantasy okayness. The okayness that is felt in this moment, regardless of how well this podcast has gone so far, regardless of where it's going to go from here, regardless of what happens in the rest of my day, right here is just it's extraordinary to just be okay. Just, just okay. I can't imagine a better way to end than just be okay. Right. Just be okay. I so honor you and all that you do and all that you guys have offered to uh, your world over there. Um, mm, I feel the same. I feel okay when I talk to you in a way that uh, I I enjoy. <laughs> God bless you, man. What a, what a what a delight. You as well. Thank you so so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'll look forward to seeing the uh, the revolution that your character goes through. 
your personal character and the characters you play. I'll, I'll keep you updated. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Jeff, thanks for speaking of meditation. Speaking of Meditation is written and produced by me, Michael Miller, with direction by Jillian Lavender and assistance from Emma Ray. Editing is by James Green at Green Podcast Productions. Original music written and performed by Rich Jock. Graphics by L&L. Speaking of Meditation, what are you noticing? Who's benefiting? And how are you staying inspired? Inspired.